Welcome to Sunday Sermons and other recordings from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Davis, California. Please visit our website at www.uudavis.org for further information. for Congregational Life, and I welcome you to this service. And I am Sarah Larkin, today's worship associate. Come, come, whoever you are, you are welcome here, no matter your age, your size, the color of your hair, your eyes, your skin, welcome. Whether you came alone or with others, you are welcome to this community of religious seekers. No matter whom you love, our congregation is a place of welcome. Whatever your abilities and how you move through this world, you are welcome. If you come with laughter in your heart or tears in your eyes, you are in good company here. We are ready to build a world of fairness and justice. And some of us also need encouragement to rebuild our lives. There is space for both within this community. Come with an open mind, prepared to understand more completely. A loving heart ready to be both nurtured and challenged, and hands willing to both give and receive. You are indeed welcome here. If you are visiting today, I invite you to our welcome table in our entryway so we can get to know each other. This is a community of caring and sharing. This morning, to acknowledge the joys and sorrows in this room, we light a pillar candle for each, knowing that when we share our heaviest moments, they are lightened, and when we share our celebrations, they are brightened. With the hope that we, too, may find a container for all of who we are, a holy chalice able to hold our courage and our fear, our gifts and our flaws, our joy as well as our pain. May we glimpse again what it means to be whole. May we find that peace of knowing that no part of us needs to hide. story to tell you today. It's a Buddhist story, and it takes place in the outskirts of a big city in Japan. There was an old temple there, and from a young age, children who wanted to be Buddhist monks would come and live at the temple and learn from the master teacher. One day, the master who ran this temple decided to teach his young students a lesson. He gathered them around and he said, My dear students, as you can see, I can no longer provide for all the needs of this temple, and I need your help. I know I have not taught you to work for money, and so I can only think of one thing to do to keep our temple from closing. And they listened very carefully. And he said, that big city nearby is full of wealthy people 
so I need you to go and steal from them. (laughs) And you can only do this when absolutely no one is looking. That way we'll have enough money to keep our temple going. But master, the children said, you have taught us that it is wrong to steal. It's wrong to steal things that don't belong to us. Yes, indeed I have, the master said. It would be wrong to steal if it were not absolutely necessary. And remember, you must not be seen. If anyone can see you, you must not steal. Do you understand? The boys looked nervously and the okay, yeah, and the and the girls and then all the students thought, has our beloved teacher gone mad? But he seemed very serious. So, yes, we will go. So they left and they thought, okay, we must not be seen. But there was one child who stayed in the temple. When he when the master came back in, he said, Why did you not go with the others? Don't you want to help save our temple? Well, I do. I do, but you said that to steal without being seen. And I know that there is no place on earth that I would not be seen, for I would always see myself. Ah, you got it. That is the lesson that I wanted to teach all the children, he said, but you are the only one who saw it. Run and tell your friends and have them come back to the temple before we get into trouble. (laughs) So that student ran and he got all of his friends and he said, come back, come back. The master has something to tell us. And when they returned, the master told them the words that this child had said, I will always see myself. And then they all understood the lesson. That no matter what we do, we all always have a part of ourselves that is quietly watching and always knows right from wrong and can guide us if only we listen. So as we start this new year, maybe we can try to listen a little bit more to that quiet guide. So now, if you're heading off to the bridge house or the library or the intern office, <laughs> that's where the high school youth group is meeting this this year. It's a little crowded in there, but they have fun. Let's sing you on your way. I want to be a person of great integrity. To be honest, respectful, kind, make all of the right choices. I would venture to guess that most of us want to be honest people with strong ethics and morals. But if you're like me, maybe you get lost in the gray area and don't know exactly what you're doing. For example, what does a person with integrity do when they've made a commitment and when commitment time comes, they wish they could go home and take a bubble bath instead? Do they keep their commitment with the outside world or do they honor their commitment to themselves? What is the right thing to do? I really don't know. 
Some folks would say honoring the external commitment is the obvious choice. Other folks might say you have to take care of yourself first before you can tend to outside commitments. I often find myself consumed in the confusion that comes from the dualities of the internal and the external. I can get seriously lost in trying to figure out what is the best or right choice. Sometimes when the stakes are particularly high, I buckle under the pressure. I give up, I run away, hide, or procrastinate so I don't have to face making the choice. On the other end of the spectrum, there are times that I make a choice quickly to get it over with. Sometimes it is fun and I feel blessed with the abundance of choices. And sometimes I feel stifled and desperately seek direction, limits, and clarity. As adults, we make around 35,000 conscious decisions every day. And I know it's true because Google told me it is. <laughs> but I didn't realize the enormity and complexity of the decision-making process, and I got myself into what I like to call decision debt. Decision debt is what occurs when I file decisions away for later because I'm locked into such a state of fear and confusion that I'm just unable to make a decision. Sometimes after I file a decision away, it becomes obsolete and I never have to make the decision. But most times, the decisions just join the pile. But the thing is, with 35,000 decisions daily, that pile can get out of control fast. And I drag it with me everywhere I go. Its presence can be daunting and oppressive and leads to more fear and scarcity. No wonder I used to get overwhelmed in the toilet paper aisle. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> Seriously. One ply, two ply, mega rolls, super mega rolls. There's the little angel and the bear and the cute little Labrador. Some are on sale, some are forest friendly. I'm trying to sort through all the options of toilet paper. Meanwhile, my huge pile of indecisions is there with me all over the floor and the aisle. People can't get near by me because I'm just, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Not only would I get overwhelmed in the toilet paper aisle, I would then shame and berate myself for being so incompetent that I can't handle picking out toilet paper. Do you know what doesn't help? Feeling like a competent adult? Shaming and berating yourself for not being able to pick out toilet paper. You don't even want to know how much energy and drama has been spent over toilet paper. And what about the other 34,999 choices waiting to be made after I figure out the toilet paper situation? It's exhausting. So I have a plan for 2020 to address this decision debt situation I find myself in and get it cleaned up. And I'd love to share it with you in case you have your own debt that you would like to address. 
Step one, recognize how many decisions I am faced with every day. Doing this allows me to hold perspective. Toilet paper no longer makes the 35,000 cut. I get the same kind of toilet paper at Costco every single time. Put it in the cart and let's go. It's on autopilot mode now. Next. Step two, give myself permission to not make the perfect choice every time. The law of averages is on our side. Even if 3,500 of the 35,000 choices I make aren't perfect, that's still an A average. That's good enough for me. Step three, give myself permission to make a different choice. This eases the burden to know that if this choice doesn't work out, I can just pick something else. Bye-bye, drama. Step four, toss the shame in the garbage. Seriously, it is not welcome anymore. Step five, become clear with myself so that I can be clear with others. Clear communication is kind communication. For me, growing fully into a life led with integrity starts with getting out of debt and cultivating clarity within my own mind so that I have a strong base from which I can make decisions quickly, easily, and kindly. Once I have that foundation set, I will be free to explore what extra layers of integrity I want to add into my life. I invite us all to look at our foundations with fresh eyes. Does it need some attention so that we may build great things upon it? What does it mean to live with integrity? This month's worship theme invites us to a deeper reflection and inner wholeness. If we look at the root of the word, integer means whole. In Latin, it was used as soundness, wholeness, completeness. The old French used into integrite in, to mean innocence, blamelessness, chastity, purity. Today, we use integrity to mean mm, often incorruptibility in ethics or actions or intentions. We speak of integrity of our leaders, elected officials, artists, friends. Like Sarah, I would like to be someone of integrity. And when I say that, I imagine someone who has integrity or acts with integrity is to be that they show up as their whole selves. They are honest and well-intentioned. They might not be perfect. No, I know they're not perfect. But you can trust them. Trust that they mean it, that they are well-intentioned, that they will be the same person time after time, no matter the circumstances in which you interact. To me, integrity is about dependability of emotional and psychological presence. Integrity can be found in lots of places. I like the wisdom from our Buddhist story. We always have an inner guide. I like Sarah's plan of action to avoid decision debt, to 
to be more forgiving of ourselves. I've also found wisdom in the book, The Four Agreements. It was published in 1997 and has stayed on the New York Times best-selling list. And the author, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, has written additional books based on that. I'm guessing that some people in this room have read that book or others. You would finally probably find this book in a self-improvement section in the bookstore, but it's based on the spirituality of the Toltec people in Mexico. Ruiz was born in Guadalajara in a family of traditional Toltec healers. His grandfather was a shaman and his mother was a healer. These people, the Toltec, ruled in central Mexico from about 900 to 1200. You might have visited their city, Tula, which is now in ruins and pyramids and columns about 40 miles outside of Mexico City. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz explains that the Toltec were revealed for their spiritual teachings. They understood themselves as people of wisdom with spirituality as part of their daily lives. They didn't separate wisdom, spirituality, and life. He calls them artists. Not traditional artists with paint. They considered the manner in which you lived your life as your art. So Ruiz took the traditions and wisdom of his people and used it as a lens to look at the modern day uh, people and our relationships and our ways of being in the world. The result of that is sharing the spiritual wisdom of the Toltec people in the four agreements. And those four agreements are simple. Well, simple words. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. Let's look at those just briefly. Be impeccable with your word. This is not about necessarily saying, I'll see you at five and being there on time. This is about speaking with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak bad about other people. Avoid using the word to gossip or to speak ill about yourself. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love, he says. I think of this as the thumper rule. Remember what thumper says to Bambi all the time? Anyone? If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip on others. The second agreement, don't take anything personally. Ah. Ruiz says that nothing other people do is because of you. It is because of themselves. How many times do we have to learn this lesson? (laughs) It reminds us that when other people have criticism of us or feedback for us, we ought to remember their lens, their biases. 
criticism of others most often reflects criticism of the self or other lived experiences of how that person views the world. I get it, Grace, I get it. That's not to say that we shouldn't listen to feedback. I mean, especially in relationships, because, of course, we all have learned unhelpful patterns, and we can make adjustments to our words and our deeds that might make for healthier relationships, happier friends and spouses. But take, don't take anything personally. Let it go and see see that it is a reflection of the other person. Hmm. Agreement number three, don't make assumptions. We have the tendency to make assumptions about everything. Indeed, we do. And Ruiz, Ruiz writes that the problem with making assumptions is that we believe they are the truth. We could swear they are real. How many times have we told ourselves a story about why someone else acted the way they did? Or what that other person is thinking or feeling? And we could swear they are real. The way to keep yourself from making assumptions instead is to ask questions. Make sure that the communication is clear. If you don't understand or you find yourself making an assumption, ask. Have the courage to ask the questions until it can be as clear as it can be. And four, always do your best. Under any circumstance, always do your best, he says. No more and no less. But keep in mind that your best is never going to be the same from one moment to the next. We are all changing all the time. Every circumstance, every moment, we are a different person. It is a different moment. So sometimes your best will be very high quality. Sometimes you will have a sinus infection and a sick baby, and so your best will be not as good. But always try your best. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. Simple words. Not so simple concepts. I find that these four agreements can help us rediscover our whole selves. I encourage you, if you like the idea of these four agreements, to check out that book. Read it. Consider it more. Learn more about the Toltec spirituality of being whole all the time. There's more wisdom to be found from author Rachel Naomi Remen, the author of Kitchen Table Wisdom. Anyone read that one? She's also a teacher of alternative medicine at the Osher Center of Integrative Medicine at UC San Francisco. Or, sorry, UC, yeah. Like, I wrote that down, but that didn't make sense to me, but it's true. She has this beautiful reflection, and I invite you to hear it 
uh, if you want to close your eyes so you can listen more carefully, you might want to do that because I'm going to invite you to participate in the rest of this service. She writes, wholeness is never lost. It is only forgotten. Integrity rarely means that we need to add something to ourselves. It is more an undoing than a doing, a freeing ourselves from beliefs we have about who we are and the ways we have been persuaded to fix ourselves to know who we genuinely are. Even after many years of seeing, thinking, and living one way, we are able to reach past all that to claim our integrity and live in a way we may never have expected to live. Being with people at such times is like watching them pat their pockets trying to remember where they have put their soul. Often in reclaiming the freedom to be who we are, we remember some basic human quality and an unsuspected capacity for love or compassion or some other part of our common birthright as human beings. What we find is almost always a surprise, but it is also familiar, like something we put in the back of a drawer long ago. Once we see it, we know it as our own. I invite you now to think what you might want to look for in the back of a long-ago drawer. Search for in your pocket. What shall we find of ourselves to bring integrity into the new year? It might be that what we're looking to find in the back of that drawer will be the opposite of a quality we're not so proud of. For example, if we know we've been judgmental, perhaps we need to search for our understanding. It might be that searching the pockets for your soul is an activity that brings you back to your whole self. Yoga, for example. So we'll sit now in just a moment of reflection, and Lou's going to give us some music to help, to help us center ourselves. And then Sarah and I will begin to bring these to light. And when you feel moved, call out that which you are looking for in the back of the drawer, You never know who you might inspire in this room. This is the light that we each have. It's in that pocket, in that long-ago drawer. I invite you now into a time of prayer. A time to sit in the quiet to reflect on ourselves and on life. You might sit with your feet firmly on the ground, close your eyes or soften your gaze.
There is so much in our lives. So much that we hold, so much that we carry with us. Today we name that. Sometimes it is a burden, sometimes it is a joy. Life is complicated. In this space, we find more strength as we take just one day at a time with those burdens and those joys, with our fears and our celebrations, with the places inside ourselves that we know we want to bring forward and the pieces of ourselves that we want to let go of. We live in a precious community, and so we turn our hearts and minds, our compassion, our empathy, our patience, our understanding to the people in our lives who are also in the balance of burden and celebration. We send our love to those people we know who are hurting or struggling, those people we know who are ill and facing the final days of their lives. We send our love to people who are mourning today. Knowing a new year brings new memories. There is celebration. The celebration among us, Karen Russell is celebrating a birthday. And Peg and Walt Swain celebrated 50 years of marriage. <laughs> Whoa. Life is good. And we know that we live in a precious world. And we feel the anxiety of that world. And we know escalating tension in Iran. Fires burning in Australia. Anti-Semitism in New York. There is so much pain. May we hold that here, acknowledge it, and know that in community we can live through that. We can offer hope. We can offer love. We can offer a new way of being. We give thanks for all that is our lives. For the fears and the celebrations, the burdens, the joys, the sorrows, and the moments of transformation. And now we sit, and each in our own ways, name the sorrows and the joys of our being.
Blessed be and amen. We extinguished our pillar candles knowing those sorrows and those joys are with us still. And we extinguish our chalice, that light that calls us together and that flame that burns in each of us until we come together again. Please take hands or a shoulder or elbow for our benediction with these words adapted from theologian Howard Thurman. Keep fresh before us the moments of our high resolve. Despite the dullness and barrenness of the days that pass, if we search with due diligence, we can always find a deposit left by some former radiance. In the quietness of this place, surrounded by the spirit of life and love, our hearts whisper, keep fresh before us the moments of our high resolve, that in fair weather or in foul, in good times or tempests, in the days when the darkness and the foe are nameless or familiar, we may not forget that to which our life is committed. And may this congregation say, Amen. Amen. Amen.